A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Many of Jesus' disciples who were listening said, This saying is hard. Who can accept it? Since Jesus knew that his disciples were murmuring about this, he said to them, Does this shock you? What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life, while the flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Jesus knew from the beginning the ones who would not believe and the one who would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by my Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. Jesus then said to the twelve, Do you also want to leave? Simon Peter answered him, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of the Lord. We return to the final verses from chapter 6 of the Gospel of John, which began with the miraculous feeding of the crowd of 5,000. We might expect this culminating passage to end the chapter in triumph and illumination, with the amazed crowds lining up to join the Jesus movement. But John's story is moving in the opposite direction. Hearing Jesus' words, the crowds turn away, confused and disappointed. And many of Jesus' followers do too. The throng of 5,000 now dwindles just 69 verses later down to the original 12. What I think was scandalous about Jesus is he was too common to have come down from heaven. He was too much like any ordinary human being. He was too much like you and I. I live on a small lake, and the swans and geese and ducks are no end of entertainment throughout the summer. In the spring, the geese are the first to arrive. When the swan pair arrives, the male swan has a full-time job chasing the geese. He's good at it. The goslings hatch first. By June, the cygnets are born. We usually start out with a bunch, but by the end of the summer... Only one or two remain. The last few weeks, the adult swans have been molting, so there have been no swans flying overhead. Sometime this week or next, the male swan will start to fly, making short passes near the cygnets. This will be completely unexpected behavior for the cygnets. Their entire life has been spent gliding on the water of the lake, If cygnets are capable of consciousness, I doubt that it ever occurs to them that they were meant to fly. They would think of themselves as some type of waterfowl. After a while, the female will join the male overhead and the cygnet will be left alone on the water. Eventually, 
they too will tentatively spread their wings and fly. Jesus is the bread come down from heaven. His origins are in heaven. His manifestation is on earth. This reverses the ordinary consciousness of religious people who are set in their belief that God is completely other and people are completely earthbound. The origin of people is from the earth, as we read in the book of Genesis, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. They have glimmers of a higher world, but they do not belong to it. Jesus seems to have it downside up. People are physical beings with spiritual intuitions, not spiritual beings seeking ever greater incarnations. Jesus' saying goes completely counter to normal expectations. It's difficult to both understand and accept. The protesting disciples do not rightly perceive the flesh of which Jesus speaks. They only see Jesus' flesh. They do not see the word become flesh, the good news of God dwelling among us. Spirit and flesh must be held together. This is the heart of the Incarnation. We want God to fulfill us on our terms, not God's. Instead, we are asked to swallow the flesh, to chew on the gristle of a God who is not what we want, not safe in heaven, not removed from the mess of the world, but a God who is in flesh, messy, bloody, weak, and faithful. A God who says life is to be found here, in that weakness, in that closeness to death that comes from loving our neighbor in the same way we love ourselves. As Walter Brueggemann puts it, we don't get God without the neighbors. As a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. John has just told us that Jesus knew from the beginning the ones who would not believe and the one who would betray him. The Greek word for betray means to hand over. But in John's Gospel, Judas does not hand Jesus over. Jesus hands himself over at his arrest, because that's what the Good Shepherd does. If we look at chapter 18 in John's Gospel, at the beginning of the Passion, John tells us that Judas brought forces from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and came to the Garden of Gethsemane. Now notice how John describes the scene. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. Judas was no longer going about with Jesus. He was standing with them, with the forces from the chief priests. John is telling us that betrayal is not going about with Jesus, but standing with someone else. To betray Jesus is not to walk with him, but to go back into the ways of the past. It means to live the way we always have. The dynamics of John 6 can seem pretty bleak. A crowd of 5,000 reduced to 12, and then Jesus looking ahead ominously to his betrayal and abandonment by those same 12. But John is a master of dramatic irony. He's telling us the story of those who misunderstand and return to their former way of life, precisely 
so we might better understand and abide with Jesus. We are invited to a great ongoing communion feast, a feast on the Word, a feast, as Peter puts it, on the words of eternal life given by the Holy One of God. For those who are alert to it, this feast is everywhere. Taste and see that God is good.